You're listening to the Boogeyman's Closet Podcast. Explicit language and spoilers ahead. You've been warned. And we are back for yet another episode of the Boogeyman's Closet. As always, I am Mike Alvarez. Maurice Kilver. Susie Hunt. And we are here for our fourth anniversary special. Can you guys believe it's been four freaking years we've been doing this? <laughs> grow up so fast. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is our 2023 anniversary special. Now, normally in May, we uh, do remakes. Like, we've done that since the start. But this year we did a little different, as you guys know, with a all-Nightmare on Elm Street month. So we figured for our anniversary special, what better movie to do than the 2010 remake of Nightmare on Elm Street? Uh, it's an hour and 35 minutes, directed by Samuel Bayer, who basically just did a shit ton of music videos. And it kind of shows. Mm-hmm. Like, his only credits are music videos and a couple TV documentaries about music videos. So, yeah. Trapped in the closet. <laughs> I wish he did that one. <clears throat> but let's go around the table and see what everyone thinks about this uh, poorly received remake. Maurice, we'll start with you this time. What, what, are, what are your thoughts on this one? I like this movie. I think it's better than most of the <clears throat> sequels that were put out. Okay. Um, it, remake wise, I go back and forth. I mean, Friday the Thirteenth is my favorite. Yeah, Friday the Thirteenth. Oh, the is big solid. three. The big yeah, three. that's a solid one. Um, it's it's tough between this and Rob Zombie's Halloween. I always go back and forth. Okay, for but, for the number two spot. Yeah, like it depends on how I feel or. When I watch it, but I enjoy this movie. I love Jackie Earl Haley. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was a great uh, Freddy Krueger. I think yeah. since they're talking about doing it again, they should bring him back. There's, oh, hell yeah. They're still talking about Kevin Bacon. Why? <clears throat> I feel like Kevin Bacon would do a good performance. I mean, I'm not saying he wouldn't, but. But I. I Jackie Earl Haley still. So. Yeah, no, I really liked his performance as Freddy. It was a completely different Freddy, but oof. Yeah. It was good. Um, the cast was pretty good. Um, See, I hate Nancy. <laughs> Rooney Mara, I can't stand her in this. Yeah, but she's a good actress. She is, but in this one, I feel like she just phoned it in. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it wasn't nightmares. really... <laughs> Freddy's Nightmares. Exactly. Nancy phoned it in. <clears throat> there wasn't really much music-wise to really talk about. No, it was... I, I like the, the soundtrack, like yeah. the, the sound of the movie... <clears throat> but uh, I know a lot of people hated this movie. Uh, I enjoyed it. I'm pretty. Sure, I'm pretty sure I went to the theater and saw it when it came out. I definitely. Fact, did. I know I did. I think didn't we go together? No, we could. This was one of those ones we kept trying to go together. But oh, we yeah. couldn't figure out a because yeah. I ended up going to see it with Jess and Amanda at the Elmwood Regal. Um, because I could, I missed the last showing at the Regal out here, so mm-hmm. I rushed out to the Elmwood to see it. Yeah, I think I ended up going with my brother, I think. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, overall, I enjoy it. Um, a lot of people hate <clears throat> him as Freddy. I mean, he's no Robert England, but I thought he was really good. He wasn't, you know, and the thing I like about it is he wasn't trying to be Robert England. Right. He, he did, he did something totally unique with the character that is more in line with the story they were telling in this one. Right, this was uh, a different Freddy Krueger. This yeah. wasn't... This know. was the child molester Freddy right. Krueger. Like, we always talked about it in the, in the original movies, and this is actually something good to bring up here. 
is that in the original franchise, they always planned to do this. Mm-hmm. But at the, around the time they were making the first Nightmare on Elm Street, there was a story that broke, I believe it was in California, where there was an orphan, or orphanage, Jesus, a, a daycare that was systematically abusing and molesting the children. It was like national news. So everyone involved with this movie was like, dial back the pedo stuff. Like, try to like soft pedal that. We don't want to get caught up in this. Um, which is a good move because of the, the Nightmare on Elm Streets that we got... Like, yeah, we know Freddy's a pedo. Like, we find out more about that in Part 6 and in Freddy vs. Jason. But it was always kind of played down. Right. Um, You know, because who cares about teenagers? You can kill them bitches all day. Right. (laughs) And and, and you really don't know because you're... Are the parents lying? Did they make this up? You really don't know until the very end. That is some... And I got that in my notes. That's probably my favorite aspect about this movie is them adding the wrinkle of, could he have been innocent? Mm-hmm. I lo- and I mean, I don't think that they did enough with it, but I love that idea. Yeah. Like, it adds just a new layer of like, oh, fuck, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Like, I really dug it. But we'll, uh, we'll toss it over to you, Susie. What are your thoughts? I like this one a lot. I really like what Jackie Earl Haley did with the character. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at the very end, when his, like, attempt to like do a freddy quip when nancy's like fuck you and he's like fuck me that's moving a bit fast (laughs) i thought that fell a little bit flat but overall i this is a freddy that scared me see i found that to be creepy because she was he's like now that you got me what kind of game do you want to play and she goes fuck you he goes "Ooh, sounds fun but that's a little too fast for me i was like oh oh fucking skin crawling yeah speaking of skin crawling his face like, I think, because I know in the original series, like, his makeup evolved over yeah. time. and it was based on pepperoni pizza originally. Right. <laughs> but this, like, he, I think that this was a truly scary-looking Freddy. Yeah. Like, even, like, part of his jaw was, like, melted away, mm-hmm. and, um... Well, they based it on real <clears throat> burn victim photos, and it's like, you can see that especially around the eyes. Yes, mm-hmm. the way because the there's no lid. Is, yeah. Oh, oh, no yeah. eyelids. It's so creepy. Um, I also like the whole, well, maybe he is innocent, because when he's pleading, yeah. it really, like, almost convinces you. And I haven't seen this movie in quite a while, so I had to, like, sit, take a step back and be like, no, 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 no. I yeah. know how this ends. <laughs> and watching it critically, when they find the Polaroids, Ooh. I never noticed, until I watched it yesterday, mm-hmm. that... You don't see, obviously you don't see it, but you see flesh tone something. Yeah. Very blurry. I never picked up on that. Yeah. It was always in my imagination before that, that we know enough about yeah. what, where this is going to know that it's implied that he... Was molesting. Yeah. But, I mean, how, how did they make the kids forget in this one? Yeah, I think... That's with, a little bit of a plot hole for me. It is, but I, I also... Having and I don't want to name names, but having known people that have gone through horrific stuff in their childhoods, um, sometimes it does get repressed to the point like certain things will be uncomfortable, but you won't know why, and then like it starts to come out in therapy. Well, so remember, there were like five at the time, right? And when, so, yeah, it was you do remember things at that age, but there oh, are other absolutely. things. And then when your families try, you know, do everything they can to put you to, different yeah, schools, separate different you from kids, the kids. friends. You, you probably tend to forget about it. Like, 
it does probably go away. And I, I think that is a defense mechanism. Honestly, I think it's like a human mind defense mechanism where if when you're young, you experience something super traumatic, you know, it tries to like kind of compartmentalize it and lock it away so mm-hmm. you can continue to function. But yeah, I do agree that it is a bit... It's a bit far-fetched that all of that entire class... Exactly. But I guess they kind of explain it when she does a little research, a little little Scooby Gang investigating. I got that in my notes, too, the Scooby Gang. Yes. (laughs) But you know why this movie really flopped? Why is that? Laurel fucking Lance. I can't fucking stand that actress. What's her name? I like Katie Cassidy. I was like, wait, which one's Laurel? She played uh, Cat. Or not Chris. 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 Oh, okay. Oh, I can't fucking stand her. Everything I've ever seen her in, I'm like, I fucking hate you. <laughs> like she ruined, she ruined Arrow for me. But she's in, she's in Black Xmas, and she's in When a Stranger Calls. The and those are both awesome. I still hate her, and I'm blaming the failure of this <laughs> remake on her. But Arrow wasn't even out yet. She was still. It was. She was but you didn't, you didn't hear it. It was a multiverse. Era. It was a multiverse. It was. It was already. Arrow already came out on Earth Ten. Oh, okay. And the Flash came back and was like, "Guys, don't make this movie with her." Yeah. See, now bad. that's how I feel about Rooney Mara. Where I'm like, I know she's a good actress. I've seen her in other stuff. Where I'm like, okay, yeah, you're you're good. In this, I'm like, you fucking suck. Like it just. It made me mad because I watched an interview with her where she was talking about how much she hated making the movie. So oh, it's like, I've never seen that in a Oh, movie. yeah, she hates she hates this movie. She said that this movie almost made her quit acting. Like, she hated it so much. Was, was she that scared? Apparently, she didn't like the, uh, like, you know how you had to, like, dunk yourself in the, the gooey stair, gooey hallway thing, and, like, there's a lot of effects work that she hated. Mm. So, basically, she's a little priss. <laughs> so, it should have been in a horror movie. She but, was awesome in The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And she was shitting this. <laughs> you know what? I, I enjoyed her portrayal of Nancy. Oh, I hated it. But I definitely, I can understand why I her being like, a priss would bring it down for you for that me, much. For it, me, it's more or less her performance in the, in the movie because I feel like she, she acted like she had horse tranquilizers in her ass the entire movie. She was the sad goth girl. <laughs> but we've seen the sad goth girl in the Blair Witch to Electric Boogaloo, and it was not this level of She's sad. She's the sad, sensitive artist goth girl. Oh my god, I hate that stereotype. <laughs> um, I do think, um, I like the little nods to the original with Chris in the body bag. See, that? oh, we're going to have words. <laughs> um, I think it was done much, much better and mm-hmm. much more effectively in the original but I thought that was done okay. Um, yeah, at least there was no dog pissing on Freddy bringing him back to life. And... <laughs> this is true. See, now, for me, my most hated thing about this movie, aside from Nancy's performance, is the stuff that they took from the original. Really? Because I, every single one of those scenes, I feel like, paled horribly in comparison to what they did in the original movie. And it felt, it took me out of the film every time. Because every time I was like, it feels like they're going, hey, remember this? Look, it's cool. Ah." Like they were afraid to do their own thing. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing I said about the Poltergeist remake. With the Poltergeist remake, everything that was new was rad as fuck. Every time they tried to repeat a scene from the original, it fell flat. And it's like, just don't do that. Like movies like Dawn of the Dead and the Friday the 13th remake are successful because they don't do that. They capture the tone of the original Mm -hmm. film tell you a similar story 
and do brand new stuff. And it's like, that's what I wanted to see. Because the fucking behind-the-wall sequence in this was hot garbage. Like it w- That's the siege. A lot of the CGI oh, did not age well. Yeah. That and the very end. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go on record as saying <laughs> the final moment of the original was better than the final moment in this one. 100% agree with you on yes. that. Yes. And I will end on this before we get into your review and we get into the the meat and bones, if you will. <laughs> um, the way that he, like, flickered yes. the knives was so unsettling mm-hmm. because you can just... One, it reminded me of the end of Audition. Oh, yeah, yeah, I could see that. So that, that like, glee, mm-hmm. and also knowing that, like, he's a dirty kid toucher. Yeah. So he's like, oh, I can't wait to get any Nancy. Room. Yeah. Like, oh. it just, I'm getting shivers talking about it, but I was watching it last night, and I was like, I, this is really unsettling. But that's one of those things that's, like, different that makes it better. Yes. yes. I agree. Yes. That's one of the things, uh, in fact, one of my favorite things about this is his performance as Freddy. And I love what he did with the character. Like, the, the, the claw thing to me reminded me, it was very insect-like. It reminded, the way he held his glove up, it looked like yes. a praying mantis ready to strike. Well, he was the groundskeeper. Right. And in the flashback, yeah. we see him with the... Digging with the claws. Yeah. And it just, I don't know, that, 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 that flicking sound was so creepy and unsettling. And, like, his weird little chuckle. Like, every time, like, <laughs> yeah, like, when he would... <laughs> that's what I'm like, butthead. <laughs> Every time he would, like, taunt, and he would have that, like, just, like, sick glee laugh. And I was like, oh, like, he's so damn good as Freddy. And, um, like, even Robert Englund was was happy to pass the torch to him. Like, even, mm-hmm. even he was saying, like, he thinks Jack Harrell Haley is going to put in an amazing performance. And he's gone on record as saying that the reason he thinks that this failed isn't because of Jack Harrell Haley. It's because of Laurel fucking Lance. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's, what's confusing me is because that is that her name in Arrow. Yes. Okay. And she's Black Canary and. Oh, okay. So it's been so long. I only watched the first season of Arrow, um, but yeah, you keep throwing me off because I'm like, but her name's Katie Cassidy. I'm confused. <laughs> but no, honestly, I do enjoy this film quite a lot. I've gone on record many times as saying that I think that it unfairly gets hated. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot that I dislike. And, and, and the main portion is the stuff that they tried to repeat. I thought that that was terrible. There's several logic leaps that I'm like, okay, that's a little bit much, but I'll go with you on this. I, the original had some massive logic leaps, too. Mm-hmm. We'll get to a logic leap when they go to the preschool. Uh-huh. <laughs> there's, there's... Like, is it a total eclipse? <laughs> <laughs> there's several. Um, I love the addition of, like, what happens to an insomniac. Because as someone who suffered with insomnia for a couple of years, like, people don't realize how fucking sick you feel. Like, how it messes with your head. You know, I never experienced the whole micro-napping thing. Um, at least I don't think I did. <laughs> there, there was definitely one time where I was hallucinating a bit. So that was freaky. Um, but yeah, I used to deal with insomnia. I'm sure you remember, because it was back in the Denny's days. Yeah. I mean, there would be... I mean, I was lucky if I slept two hours a night. You had, like, you went through a period where you had, like, bags mm-hmm. under your eyes. Yeah, no, I ended up getting really, really sick in, uh, it was May of 2000, and I was I was bedridden for a week. Like, I was all kinds of sick. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, I ended up, at the time that I had insomnia, it started when I was about in 11th grade in high school, 
and continued on and off until I was about 22 years old. And, um, it was like, it got to a point where like doctors were trying to get me to take sleeping pills. I didn't want to do that. Uh, so I was trying every natural way I could to go to sleep. That was not appropriate um, touch. <laughs> Rufus is all over people today. Your cat touched my boob. Mm. He's now trying to attack the LED candle. Mm. <laughs> cat interruption number one. But no, like, uh, dealing with insomnia is is very unsettling. Mm-hmm. Because you're constantly tired, you constantly feel sick, but you can't sleep. And I know in the movie, the way they're portraying it is they can't sleep because they're afraid of sleeping. But the way they're acting with how it's affecting them is very believable. Um, so I really did like that aspect of the movie. The uh, So yeah, overall, I really do enjoy this film. I can understand why people hate it. There's They don't bring enough new to the table to justify a remake. Um, if they had have done more of their own thing, I think this could have taken off. I really do. I think that we would have gotten the three-picture deal that they forced... Uh, Jack Earl Haley to sign up for <laughs> so um, and I know according to stuff I've read about this the next movie was supposed to follow Kristen Parker so apparently Nancy was supposed to get killed in the sequel and Kristen Parker was supposed to become the new hero oh thank god so, <laughs> oh. so unless they recast her well, I'm sure it wouldn't have been, you know... Um, Laurel fucking Lance. Well, no, she was... She, that was Chris. I'm talking, oh, that's right, that's Chris, right. Kristen that's right. Parker from Nightmare on Elm Street 3, yes. the Dream Warriors. Yes, So, um, so yeah, so we would have gotten some Dream Warriors stuff, which I thought was pretty cool. But I'm still desperately hoping that Blumhouse can pull off what they said they want to do, which is they want to pull in Robert England for one last hurrah. But actually, the other one who's after it is Elijah Wood. Him and his company's going after Nightmare on Elm Street Hardcore. And um, either one I'd be happy with if they yeah. got a hold of it. <clears throat> but apparently both are entertaining the idea of something that Robert England had pitched, which is something that Josh and I played with over on Raised by Rentals, with the idea of Freddy Krueger appearing different to anyone who sees him. So in other words, like every everyone's boogeyman is personal to them. So Freddy can be played by a shitload of different actors and you can do a legacy mantle where it's like every movie, it doesn't matter who plays them because it's going to be unique to those characters. And I was like, I fucking love this idea. And to have Robert England come back kind of like for one last hurrah, like appear as like maybe to someone from the previous franchise, like appear to them as that version of Freddy, but then have like Jackie Earl Haley show up as another version of Freddy and have Kevin Bacon show up as another version of Freddy. Mm -hmm. I would fucking love that. And if Blumhouse or Elijah Wood got their hands on that, I know I'd be happy. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm hoping that this eventually happens. Well, we ain't getting any younger. I was going to say, neither is Robert Englund, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, so let's hop into the cast here. We have Freddy Krueger played by Jackie Earl Haley. We would know him from Damnation Alley. Bad news buyers. Uh, Murder, She Wrote, Maniac Cop 3, Badge of Silence, Mm. Watchmen, Shutter Island, the Robocop remake, Preacher, The Tick, and he did voices for Gravedale High, if you guys remember that old cartoon with Rick Moranis. Mm -mm. Oh, I fucking love that cartoon. Uh, Then we have Nancy Halbrook, played by Rooney Mara. She was in Urban Legends 3, Bloody Mary, Law & Order, ER, The Social Network, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and she did voices for Kubo and the Two Strings, and she was in um, Nightmare Alley. 
Um, which, you know, I gotta watch that again. It's been a while. Yeah. This is a good movie. Yeah, I really did like that. <clears throat> um, then we have Quentin Smith, played by Kyle Gullner. I can never say his name. I actually like this guy. He was in uh, Wet Hot American Summer, Red Eye, The Haunting of Connecticut, Red State, CBGB, where he played Lou Reed, uh, The Walking Dead, Scream 5, and Smile. Then we have Chris Fowles, played by Katie Cassidy. Skip it. <laughs> what a Stranger Calls, Black Christmas, Taken, Supernatural, and a shitload of DC TV shows. <laughs> and Girl, Susie is not happy. I fucking hate her. <laughs> We have uh, Jesse Braun, played by Thomas Decker, who was in Village of the Damned, Seinfeld, From Within, Laid to Rest, and Chrome Skull, Laid to Rest 2. And he was John Connor in the Sarah Chrono... Sarah Connor... Sarah Yes. With Lena Headey. Now, one of these days we do need to cover Laid to Rest, because I don't know if you guys have seen that. It's awful, but hilarious. Like, it's one of those movies that... Within the first three minutes, I was cackling. Like, it's... Uh, the main character, the first thing she says is, I woke up in a box. Which is <laughs> <laughs> fucking hilarious. Okay. <laughs> oh my god, I loved it. But then we have Dean Russell, played by Kellen Lutz. He was in Heroes, the remake of Prom Night, which, oof, that's rough. Hmm. Uh, the Twilight movies and The Expendables 3. Then we have Alan Smith, played by Clancy Brown, who we would know from Highlander, Pet Cemetery 2, uh, Tales from the Crypt, Halfway Horrible, The Shawshank Redemption, Starship Troopers, and he voice acted everything from SpongeBob to Batman to Ninja Turtles. This guy is all over the place. He's got like 300 IMDb credits. <laughs> credits? Critics. <laughs> credits. Uh, then we have Dr. Gwen Hullabrook, played by Connie Britton, who we would know from The West Wing, 24, American Horror Story, and 911. A lot more people in this, like... Um, forget his name, but the, the kid on the, like, who's doing, like, the little streaming things mm-hmm. that we see, uh, he played Chewie in the Friday the 13th remake, so he was killed both by remake Jason and remake Freddy. Oh, okay. So, I thought that was kind of fun, but he's, he's in it so briefly, I didn't put him in the credits. But, so, for anyone who has been living under a rock and doesn't know anything about Nightmare on Elm Street, the plot is the specter of a disfigured man haunts the children of the parents who murdered him, stalking and killing them in their dreams. So, yeah, if you know Nightmare on Elm Street, you know what this is about. But we open with a montage of children on a playground, juxtaposed with photos of children with their eyes scratched out and blocks spelling out things like stop and bad as the credits roll. So right off the bat, it's setting the tone for some creep factor. Um, We cut in on Springwood Diner in the middle of the rainy night, where we see Dean Russell sitting in a booth by himself. Oh, it wasn't the Craven? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> the Springwood Diner. <laughs> Very basic. Um, he asks the passing waitress for some more coffee. She completely ignores him and disappears into the back, making Dean realize he's completely alone. Immediately making us as a viewer wonder, is he in a dream or not? He follows her into the kitchen and sees all kinds of things on fire. and just like, like this is normal. Like what? a pig's head. Right. Excuse- Hello? <laughs> there was a flame shooting up and licking the ceiling. And she's just walking with the co- Hello? I did- Hello? I want some more coffee. Well, I guess I'll just have this pig's head. Like, <laughs> but, like, seriously, who walks into a kitchen and sees columns of fire and is just like, eh, that's how a kitchen looks. But he They're goes... short-staffed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he goes to, to turn around and walk away and we see Freddy step into frame behind him. And this is the first of many of those little glove, uh, the blade flickering Ooh. things he does. 
But Dean goes to leave, he hears something and turns, and Freddy slashes at him. Suddenly, he wakes up in the booth at the diner while Nancy is calling his name. Dean, (laughs) if you keep falling asleep, they're going to kick you out of here. Yep. (laughs) She's a a waitress and pours him some coffee and is like, you you best stop falling asleep, boy. Um, But, you know, he looks around after she walks away and he apologizes, like, I I won't anymore. She goes to take his plate, uh, his dirty plate, and he grabs the knife off the plate. So Chekhov's knife. We're going to see that come back in a second. Um, he looks down at his hand where he was slashed in the dream, and lo and behold, it's actually cut. And, lo and behold, one diner napkin from the dispenser <laughs> was enough to stop the bleeding. I know, those are some strong, absorbent napkins. Seriously, we need we need paper towels like that at my work. <laughs> As I, I've never in my life seen a napkin so absorbent. <laughs> it's the quicker picker-upper. Indeed. I just, now I'm picturing it for like a crack commercial. You got blood stains. He was like, quicker pick up. Your nose bleeding. <laughs> you got rusted pipes. Just shove this in there. Oh, God. <laughs> so, uh, enter Chris Fowles, who comes in to meet Dean. She sits down and immediately knows, notices how awful he looks. He laughs, commenting on how he looks like he hasn't slept in days. Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> we now see uh, even more of this film's fodder as we pan over to Quentin Paxton, who just is in this one scene, and Jesse sitting in a booth. So basically, they they the Denny's kids. Yep. (laughs) Nancy comes to check on them, and uh, Jesse teases Quentin about liking Nancy. Is there anything else you want to ask her for? (laughs) He's like, shut up, dude. (laughs) Quentin notices Chris sitting with Dean and points this out to Jesse, and we get the wonderful teen drama as Jesse gets all butthurt that she's there with Dean. Because he's just upset because Chris broke up with him. (laughs) Exactly. So he's like, come on, let's go. He throws down a pile of wadded bills and change. And then Quentin's like, let me help you clean it up. And she's like, I'm used to it. Mm-hmm. Like she's a stripper getting money thrown at her on stage. <laughs> she's like, like, well, I guess I can keep the change. And he's like, don't you ever get sick of working here every weekend? She's like, don't you get sick of coming here every weekend? He's like, uh, I, I gotta go. As he's like holding his hands in front of his raging boner. <laughs> No, he threw her a 10. <laughs> he did. <laughs> well, that's because he finished. He's like, ah, here you go. I gotta go clean myself up. <laughs> but back over to Dean and Chris talking. She suggests that he seeks out professional help to talk to someone. Uh, he tells her that he has and that, and that they've been discussing his childhood, and that's when the nightmare started. She asks if he can sleep. He tells her he can. He just doesn't want to. Chris smiles and tries to explain that they're not real, they're just dreams and can't hurt him. He gets agitated at trying to explain to her that these dreams are different, that these ones are real, and in his haste he accidentally spills coffee on her. He apologizes profusely, she assures him it's okay, and goes off to clean up. While he's alone, he falls asleep. Before you know it, Freddy is on him, holding the steak knife to his throat, while Dean struggles to pull it away. You're not real! Yeah. (laughs) He keeps yelling that, and when it's kind of creepy, though, because when we see the waking world... He's standing there holding the knife to his own throat, going, you're not real, you're not real. It's like, ooh, fuck, like, yeah. that's creepy. Um, so Chris sees him and she's like, you know, what are you doing? And then he plunges the knife into his own throat, like hilt deep. Yeah. Like it goes all the way in and he just like drags it across his throat, opening it up. Um, so yeah, as, as Chris screams and blood pours out of Dean, we get the title card. <laughs> you know... I am a big fan of these types of cold openings when done correctly. I think the best example is Friday the 13th. Because yes. that's a whole fucking mini movie before yeah. the credits. 
But, like, I, I do like when you can do a good cold opening. Scream has done it several times, mm-hmm. and they're always very effective with it. And I think that, arguably, this is a good one as well. I think the cold opening in Scream 6 was good. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. and Well, I mean, they've done it now. God, they did the cold opening in Scream 4, 5, and 6. Yeah. Um, I can't remember if they did one in... Uh, they did a cold... Yeah, they did a cold opening in the original Scream. Yeah, because Drew Barrymore yeah, got killed before... Before the And she was, card. like, billed as the top star in the movie. That's right, right. Yes, yeah, so the Scream has done it, like, their whole run. Yeah. But no, I do like those cold openings. But uh, we cut to Dean's funeral where we see Chris sitting in the front row sobbing. She watches a young blonde girl who walks up to the open grave and tosses in flowers. The girl then turns and stares at Chris. Chris looks around. No one else is paying attention to the little girl. Then she looks back at the girl and sees four bloody slash marks across her chest. Those were some big-ass slash marks, too. Well, she was a little girl. I know, but this is going to play a role later into one of the things I dislike. Because they make it seem like Freddy's claws are just, like, swords. (laughs) Like, I'm like, in the original, it was more subtle. Yes, because he's, we'll see that he, you, he can, like, cut someone's hair like he's Edward Scissorhands. Right. But then he can also, like, caress. With the blades, yeah. With the blades and not break skin. But then when he does slash, like, there's, I, we'll talk about it when we get there, but there's a scene where someone is literally, like, slashed from throat to thigh in, yeah. like, one fell swoop. And it's like, come on. That's the, it's like she got hit with four scimitars. <laughs> like, that don't make no damn sense. But, oh, so she sees the bloody slash marks on her chest. Suddenly, Freddy's hand grabs her from the grave, and Chris wakes up at the start. Um, so right off the bat, this film is definitely playing with the are you asleep or are you awake way more than the original franchise. Yeah. Uh, the funeral ends, and Quentin and his dad, Clancy Brown, I know that's not his character's name, but he will forever be Clancy Brown in this movie, hmm. um, go over to say hello to Nancy and her mom, Gwen. We find out that Clancy is the school principal and explains to Nancy that if she needs anyone to talk to, to not hesitate. But they're also setting up a crisis outreach program at the school. Um, we see Chris looking at the photos by the grave, and there's one of her that show, or one of Dean that shows her in the background as a little girl, and it's the same little girl from the vision. She didn't recognize herself as a child. <laughs> Thank you. There's one of the many things that I'm like, wait a second. Yes. Like, um, <laughs> and. But if you're dreaming, you don't, I mean, you might not... Later... True. Later on, not too much later on, but later on when she's rooting around in the old attic... Right. I got problems with with that, too. <laughs> there, There's a lot of story problems. That was my chair. <laughs> the chair was like, hello! But there's also a bird out there that's saying hello. Mm. Um, where were we? Yeah, so the crisis outreach... So, yeah, she's looking at the, the photos by the grave and sees one of her and Dean when they're little kids. Jesse walks up and comments how he didn't know that Chris knew Dean that far back. She tells him that she has no idea how she's in that photo if she didn't meet Dean until high school. And it's like, okay, I get that, but, like, clearly you're in the fucking photo. So maybe you just forgot something from when you were a kid. Or you know? maybe you were just a random child unattended running around <laughs> in someone's yard. But, I mean, how many times have you seen, like, family albums or like family photos of like aunts and uncles where and you're yes. just you're in the background you're like I don't remember that it's like yeah you were four right right <laughs> but like I can't tell you how many times I've been to a funeral of a family member and there's like you know the board of all the the mm-hmm. different photos and there's like a photo of like three or four year old me in the background at whatever event it is with a transformer in your hand <laughs> I got he man <laughs> <laughs> it's just like 
oh yeah, look at that. I guess I was there. But she, uh, wait, I'm, I lost my place. Uh, oh yeah, okay. So Chris and Jesse walk and talk. She tries to tell uh, tell Jesse that blah, 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 that before Dean died, he kept repeating, "You're not real," and it was like someone else was making him kill himself. Jesse tries to chalk it up to Dean being on a bunch of medication, and Chris was tired and scared. Chris begs him to believe her, and Nancy comes up and tells Chris that she believes her, stating that she saw it too. Jesse tells her to stop, saying she didn't, because you didn't see anything. You weren't right there like Chris was. You weren't there either, cock knock. <laughs> and then he storms off. And I, I know this is not supposed to be funny, but I had to pause it. I was laughing so hard. Because Nancy very seriously goes, you have no idea what I've seen. And I fucking lost it. It was so overly dramatic. Like, all I could hear in my head was, I've seen some shit. I've done some <laughs> things. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> Just it cracked me the fuck up. You got cracked the fuck up. <laughs> I got cracked the fuck up. But <laughs> later that night, we see Nancy at home in bed, listening to music and starting to doze. And this is where we get one of the many scenes I was talking about at the start, where it's the repeat of Freddie coming out of the wall behind Nancy. And it's awful. Yeah, uh, we see that the wallpaper ripples like water. And then Freddy, like, slithers down the side of the wall, like, sticks way the fuck out and pops his claws and growls. And then she wakes up. Whereas in the original, Nancy was asleep and you just see the creepy, like, hands and face slowly stretch the wall out over top of her. And then when she starts to move, it just slowly goes back in. Mm -hmm. It's so subtle and creepy. This was just like, we can do things with computers. (laughs) It was really bad. Oh, Mr. Mushnick. <laughs> oh, I fucking hate it. But so we cut over to Chris at her house looking through old photo albums. There's a bunch of photos missing. And she, like, hits the page on the photo <laughs> and, album. Like, just, like, pets it. And she pets it, and her mom comes in. She's like, I'm a fucking idiot. Where are the pictures of me when I was a kid? <laughs> and her mom's like, well, dumbass. <laughs> They're probably tucked away in the attic above the garage. Back in storage with all the other shit from when you were a kid. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty bad. Have I said I don't like her? <laughs> but I love it because she's like, well, today at the funeral, I saw a photo of me and Dean, and I didn't know I knew him before high school. And she's like, you know, she asked, him, or asked her mom about going to school with him when they were kids. And she goes, I don't know, who the hell can remember anything from when they were five? And I'm like... You've clearly never talked to a millennial or a Gen Xer. Because, hmm. sadly, we remember everything from our childhoods because that's when we were happy. Yes. <laughs> but later that night after Mom goes to bed, Chris makes her way to the garage and goes up into the storage room looking for the old photos. Along with the photos, she finds the blue dress complete with slash marks. Why the fuck would you save it? Thank you! I was questioning the same thing. Why was this not turned over to... Well, I know it's not turned over to the police, but why was it, like, not thrown out? like Or burned. <laughs> right. Let's just burn it. Get rid of it. But, I mean, it'll make sense in a moment. But the lights... Does it, go, though? Well, well yeah, yeah, because... It does, it does. The lights go out. Chris looks around the room with a flashlight. Shaking. Oh, yeah. shaky hand. Shaky she, hand. She looked like Courage the Cowardly Dog. She totally <laughs> just, did. <laughs> Suddenly, Freddy tackles her to the ground and says, Remember me, as she screams. So Chris wakes up screaming, It's all it was all a dream, or was it? 
So, yeah, this, like, maybe they didn't save the blue dress, because all we saw was a dream. That's but, true. I mean, we can't really confirm or deny. <laughs> so, well, you don't see it again, so I'm assuming it was just a dream. I would hope so, because if you save that shit, that's weird. But the next day at school, we see Chris in class. She looks tired. Gee, I wonder if she's going to fall asleep. <laughs> As the teacher drones on and on about the Spartans, Chris thumbs through her textbook, which is showing increasingly graphic illustrations of medieval torture. Okay, that was not in any high school textbook. Well, no, that's in the dream. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, Because she's turning the pages, turning the pages, until she gets to a picture of Freddy's claw with Mm. blood splattered on the page. That's right. She turns around uh, looking at the room and realizes she's dreaming. She tells herself to wake up, but suddenly all the other kids disappear in a cloud of ash, leaving Chris alone in a dilapidated classroom with Freddy as the teacher. She tries to run, but the dream circles her right back into the room with Freddy. He talks to her like he knows her and corners her in the room with a claw held up like a praying mantis. Like, that creeped me out. He was, like, Mm -hmm. holding it up like he was going to strike at her. Mm -hmm. Um, He lashes out. Chris wakes up screaming and scaring the fuck out of everyone else in her class. You know, this is a trope that does not get talked enough about, nearly enough about in Nightmare on Elm Street movies. In almost every film, like, at least in half of the entries, somebody wakes up in class screaming and all the other actors in the class, like, I feel like they warn everyone, at some point she's going to scream. But no one knows when. <laughs> because there's always one or two people that just, they look like they pissed their pants. And this is no exception. There's a girl that's, like, right to the to the right of Chris, kind of right behind her. She looks like she damn near peed herself when she Chris screams. <laughs> but I fucking love that. Like, ever since the original Nightmare, I've loved that trope. So everyone's like looking at her like, holy shit, is she okay? And I think even the teacher goes, uh, are you okay? Mm. <laughs> like, there's another teacher that does that when Quentin... Yes, is, yes. ...is drowning. But she looks down at her book and sees a lock of her hair lying there. Uh, so clearly Freddie snipped her hair like Edward Scissorhands, like you said. When class is over, she runs out and Jessie tries to get her attention to see if she's okay. Cut to Chris arriving home after school... We find out her mom is a flight attendant and has to fly to London, so she'll be out of town for a few days. Also, no running in the hallways. Where the fuck were the teachers? I know, right? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Oh. Or at least Freddie to tell her. Right. <laughs> but she tells Chris to get some rest and promises to call when she arrives safely in London. That night we see Chris in her room reading Dean's obituary. She hears a noise and goes to look out the window to find a Jesse jump scare. <laughs> Tell me you couldn't see that coming a mile away. You could. It's like, oh. oh. and this scene is so fucking disgusting. She's like, you were, he's like, I was an asshole. Yes, you were an asshole. Stay with me. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you guys could see the faces she was making. Oh, my God. But, yes, it's it's stupid WB teen drama. Oh, stupid fucking Laurel Lance <clears throat> from the WB. <laughs> so, yeah, basically he apologized to saying he knows he was an asshole, but he's like, Dean was my friend, too, remember? And then she was like, I don't want to be alone. Stay with me. He's like, of course I'll stay. He's like, oh, I'm going to get some. <laughs> but he doesn't. <laughs> no, nope. Because she sleeps with her bra on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, she, she tries to tell him about her nightmares, saying that every time she falls asleep, she dreams about the same man. Jesse tries to tell her that they all have bad dreams, and, ins- and she insists that this one is different. She describes how Freddy looks, and immediately we see the concern on Jessie's face. Before she can finish the description, Jessie comments on the finger knives, 
letting Chris know that he's dreamt of the same man. Yeah, they kind of like see it at the same time. Yeah. You don't know what she saw. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what I've seen. How dare you, sir? Oh my god. But Chris freaks out realizing that they've seen the same man in their dream. And Jesse does the, the thing that everyone does in these movies and tells her that's impossible. It's just a coincidence. You know, just once I would like to, someone to be like, oh, fuck, we're in a horror movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just want to see that just one time. Because <laughs> every there's always the first person that gets told about the dreams is always like, no, it's not real. It's not, it doesn't matter that I'm having the same dream, the exact same dream about the same guy trying to kill me. No, no, it's not real. <laughs> like, it drives me crazy. So... She tells him that she wants nothing more than to sleep, but she's afraid if she does, he'll get her, just like Dean. Jesse tells her that they need to stop talking about it, saying that the more they talk about it, the more they think about it. The more they think about it, the more they dream about it. So she makes him promise to stay for the night, and he agrees. Later that night, Chris wakes up to hear her dog Rufus barking at something out in the yard, so of course she goes out to investigate. She finds her dog dead in the yard, slash marks across his flank. I was just petting him. I, I like that part. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I got to give it to the... <laughs> yeah, I like when he says that. Cause, but again, it was so much more sinister. Yeah. He's like, I was just petting him. And then he like clicks his little claws. I'm yeah. like, oh, fuck. But there's something about the way he speaks that's so much more menacing than mm-hmm. the OG Freddy. Yeah. Uh, so Chris runs back to her house and winds up in a preschool. Little Chris comes up and grabs her, telling her we have to hide, and begins leading her through the halls. This is also where we get the requisite little girls jumping rope, singing the old nursery rhyme. Chris hears Freddy counting down and looks over to see him say, Ready or not, here I come, and he rushes at her. She wakes up back in bed, tries to wake Jesse up, but he just grumbles and rolls over. Chris gets up, washes her face, and eventually comes back to bed. When she lies down, Freddy is now laying where Jesse was, and he says, Found you, and jumps on her. Mm. And that's wake- creepy yeah that was creepy in the waking world we see Chris shaking and screaming Jesse wakes up and tries to get her to wake up <clears throat> he's thrown back when Jesse is picked up into the air and thrown around like a fucking rag doll bashing into the walls and ceiling then this is where we see the gigantic slash marks yep appear from her fucking collarbone and go like they're down all- to her vagine but and they're the length of her body so yeah. like how did he spread his fingers out to be human torso sized. Piano playing. There you go. <laughs> well, we didn't see it. I mean, to argue, you don't see how he does it. So True. he can make him. He can make his body do anything he wants in the dreams, though. Okay, I'll give you that. You know, they don't show. I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, but it's still lame. Yeah. <laughs> and this is one of those things where, again, the original was so much more effective because Tina, you know, she wakes up screaming. Rod freaks out, like, you know, wanting to know what the hell's going on. She gets spun around. He literally gets headbutted by her. Yeah. yeah. He gets thrown into the wall, and then she's dragged up the wall. Like, it doesn't, she's not being thrown around. It looks like someone has her by the leg and is dragging her along the wall onto the ceiling. And the whole time, she's screaming for help and looking right at Rod. Like, she's awake, screaming for help. And then you see the four slash marks across her belly. And it just, like, opens her stomach up and all this blood comes pouring. It's so fucking gnarly. Mm-hmm. And then when she hits the bed, there's that, like, just explosion of blood that, like, slathers Rod. I was just like, oh, fuck! Like, it's so gross and creepy. Whereas this is like, nah, whatever. I don't know. This just really bothered me how they tried to go... 
this is something that happens a lot in remakes, and, and we'll talk about it in other movies, but where they try to go above and beyond the iconic scenes, Pet Cemetery did this. Everyone knows the Gage slashing the Achilles tendon yeah. sequence. In the remake, dude gets stabbed through the ankle, and then it gets ripped out. And it's like, it's so much less effective because it's so over the top. Yeah. Whereas the original, just the quick slice with the scalpel, mm-hmm. still, to this day, I can't sit with my feet hanging off the bed. Like in Hostel as well. Mm-hmm. It's just, ooh. You're free to go. Slish. Like, ah, fuck. So, yeah, she gets, uh, you know, she gets thrown around. Um, and then once once she drops to the bed, you know, blood splatters Jesse. He freaks out and takes off running. When he rushes out the front door, he sets off the home alarm. And he runs through the neighborhood in a panic. And we, <laughs> we hear some random guy yell, hey, you, I'm calling the cops. And again, I fucking lost it. Because <laughs> it's just this random disembodied voice from one of the suburban homes yelling at him. And the cops all knew exactly where he was, too. Right. They showed him so fucking fast. Yeah. <laughs> we cut to Nancy drawing in a room while listening to music. Her mom comes in and tells her to go to bed because it's the middle of the night. Now, I only mention that because of what happens next. Mom leaves. Jesse immediately comes to the window. From where? <laughs> he climbed up. To, he shimmied up like Spider-Man. <laughs> he, but he just jumps through her window and immediately grabs her, and she yells. She's like, why are you covered in blood? Whose blood is that? Like, And he's like, it's not mine. It's like, she's like, who's this? And he's like, it's Chris. She's like, oh my God, did you kill her? Like, There's this whole yelling argument. And mom is like... She literally just walked out of the room. Mm-hmm. Like, you didn't hear any of this? And so he tries to tell her that, you know, she was someone killed her in her sleep. Um, he goes, you know what I'm talking about. You said so at the funeral. And then she just goes, I keep hearing... This nursery rhyme. And it's like... One, did, two... She doesn't even sing it, though. She just says nursery rhyme. Freddy's coming for you. Oh, it's like William Shatner doing spoken word. It is. Like, she just kind of says the lyrics. But Jesse tells her, Freddy, that's the guy that's in all of our heads. You know, he, goes, he warns her against sleeping. It's like, you die in your dreams. You die in real life. And now mom starts going, Nancy, are you all right? What's going on in there? No answer. Like, why did they... Uh, okay, I can fix the scene simply. Nancy's mom was already asleep. Jesse comes in, you have the whole argument the exact same way, and have to be like, Nancy, what's going on in there? I, I just woke up to hear screaming. Done. Ended. Fix the fucking scene. Why do you have that? Like, it's just, it bothered me so bad because it's so unbelievable. Connie Burton had to get her screen time in. <laughs> so bad. Wear her glasses and very, like, authoritatively take them off. I will say, I she she is quite pretty, and I did like those glasses. She is like, pretty. Yeah. But, oh, just, it irked the fuck out of me. So they hear the cops coming, and Jesse takes off out the window, and somehow just leaps down from the second floor, like, I'm Spider-Man! Unscathed. <laughs> He's like, Grund- I would say Grundlefly. <laughs> Grundlefly. Grundlefly. Ew. Rule 34. <laughs> Oh, my God. But, okay, so he gets caught running across the lawns of suburbia. And the the cops immediately not only know he's the homicide suspect, but they're like, you're guilty, and they cuff him and chuck him in the car. Like, so they got the call from Crazy Neighbor. Mm -hmm. They investigated the house, 
Like, they knew what house to go to. How did Crazy Neighbor go know what house to go to? Because well, the alarm was all the alarm. Yep. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that is true. I mean, think of that. So they go to that house, they investigate, they find the murder victim, and then they go combing the lawns of suburbia? <laughs> like, well, he, I mean, he really gave himself up because he's like, I didn't kill her. Oh, uh, that's true. But still, it's just the, the way <laughs> well, they I, caught I see that, but, like, he gave himself up, too. I just, again, I love the way they did it in the first one because, again, it was so believable. Rod leaves in the middle of the night. And they find him the next morning. Yeah, he's hiding out in the, in the bushes. And yeah. Then, you know, it's like that makes sense because it's like he was on the run. <clears throat> it's like Bam Margera. <laughs> at, the t- cryptid? at the time of this recording, Bam Margera is running around the woods of Pennsylvania. Mm. Um, he's a grundle fly. <laughs> he goes buzz, buzz, buzz. <laughs> oh, God. So oh, That song's ruined forever now. It is. <laughs> So yeah, so he gets caught by the cops. Cut to Jesse in a holding cell. He's, uh, or I'm sorry, yeah, cut to Jesse in holding. He's led to a cell and forced inside. <laughs> I love how his cellmate jumps down off the top bunk, mean mugs him. He's like, I'm just kidding, I'm going to lay here. Yeah. He lays down at the I'm bottom. I'm taking the bottom now. <laughs> I'm a bottom. <laughs> you got the top, homie. <laughs> just, oh, oh my funny. God, and then Jesse starts like beating himself up to stay awake. And the dude's like, shut the fuck up, I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> Jesse's smacking the sides of his head, like, I want to go back to the blue room. Like, I mean, yes. very much like the dude in that. In Cube. <laughs> oh, my God. So we cut to Nancy calling Quentin to tell him what happened. This is where Act 1 ends. You what are you guys thinking? You know how said if I needed someone to talk to, I could call you? I need someone to talk to. <laughs> Chris is dead. Jesse done did it. <laughs> So yeah, what are you guys thinking now? I still like it. I mean, aside from the blaring <laughs> plot holes, plot holes yeah. in Laurel fucking Lance. There's some plot holes, but I'm 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 liking it. Yeah, I'm still yeah. on board. And they killed Laurel Lance. <laughs> I mean, overall, I do enjoy the movie. It, it doesn't start the strongest. I feel like this first half hour of the film is a little weak. Because uh, it, it relies on two repeat scenes from the original. And those are like the two big set pieces that they try to do. Mm. Um, you know, and there, there's, again, there's a lot of like jumping around. Like, how did, okay, what did Nancy see? She's like, you don't know what I've seen. Okay, so what have you been seeing? Have you, you, you know, clearly we find out she's been dreaming about Freddy, but not enough that she's being harmed. You yeah. know, and I know she's her favorite and all that, but it's like. She doesn't, at the start of the movie, she's not really having trouble sleeping. No. You know, it isn't until after the events of Dean and Chris that everyone has trouble sleeping. But she keeps implying that she's having trouble, even though she's not really coming out and saying it. So there, there's a lot of little things like that that are kind of irksome about the start of this film. And she won't take drugs. Stay away. <laughs> yeah. What is it called? Matterall? Uh, uh, Zonerall. Zonerall. So, yes. It's uh, speed for kids with ADHD or ADD. Yeah. <laughs> But Act 2, uh, the next day we see Quentin in a, in a bookstore looking up info on sleep deprivation on his laptop. And I was like, man, that's kind of a slap in the face of the bookstore, isn't it? Hey, we have all these books for sale. Fuck you, I'm going to use the internet. Yeah, but back then you went to the bookstore wherever, rest, you know, to use the internet. True. Because you didn't really have it at home. <laughs> I thought you would do that to coffee shops, so not so much bookstores. Yeah. She had coffee there. Oh, did she? Oh, yeah, yeah. she did. Okay, yeah. So it was a little coffee bookshop. Gotcha. How many people go to Barnes & Noble? And they're on the laptops. That's true. I still think it's a dick move. Like, you go into a store, go buy something. They're writing the next great American novel. He, I'm sure he brought he bought a coffee while he was there. 
So Quentin closes his eyes, and when he opens them, he sees a little girl standing at the end of the aisle staring at him. He gets up and follows her, and she runs deeper into the store. As he follows, he hears someone whispering incoherently. Eventually, he gets to a room full of children with Freddy talking to them. His back is turned to Quentin. Freddy spins around to look at Quentin, and he wakes up to find Nancy standing there. <laughs> this, this is another thing that bothers me throughout the entire movie, and I can't blame this movie. It's, it was the era. From about 2006 to, like, 2013, we were obsessed with sped-up and quick-cut footage. Mm-hmm. And I fucking hate it. <laughs> Where it's like, ooh, it's coming to the screen real quick. Woohoo, Spooky, spooky. I hate that. Booga, booga, booga. Exactly. It's like, stop doing that, damn it. But, uh, so yeah, he wakes up to see Nancy there. And, um, let me see here. Oh, yeah, she asks him if he was having a nightmare. He tells her, yeah, and she simply says, Freddy, and Quentin looks afraid. So, you know, it's like, we don't get a lot of, like, backstory between the two characters talking about their nightmares. Just kind of affirmation of, like, you're having bad dreams, too? Oh, yeah, me, too. (laughs) Freddy? Yeah. Claws? Yeah. Burn Man? Sure. Like, it's a lot of that. Back to Jesse in jail. The guard comes to, comes to get him and tells him his folks posted his bail. Jesse gets up and follows the guard. Suddenly the guard is gone and Jesse realizes something is wrong. He turns around, looks behind him, and it's now a solid wall. Turns back around and the lights go out. When they come back on, he's in a boiler room where he can hear Chris calling out for him for help. This is one of my favorite lines of the movie. What's that? The one that Freddy's about to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, he, he turns to see Freddy walking toward him, scraping his claws along the metal. Jesse runs and finds himself face-to-face with corpses of, the corpses of Chris and Dean. Suddenly, Freddy is right behind him. And yeah, this, this whole sequence, I wrote the whole thing down. Jesse asks, what do you want from me? And he kind of, he, he grumbles, like, hmm. Because I don't know, Jesse, you think you can turn back time? And I was like, like, share? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, answer me! And he goes, no! He goes, do you think you can bring the dead back to life? He says, no. And he goes, no, I didn't fucking think so. <laughs> Jesse screams and falls to the floor, cowering as Freddy closes in on him. Right. And he just laughs and goes, why are you screaming? I haven't even cut you yet. Yeah. It's like, oh. I love that line. It's, yeah. yeah, it's that's, it's good. That's my favorite line in the movie. <laughs> well, because, again, it solidifies Freddy as, like, he's playing with his victims. Oh, yeah. He's, he's enjoying this. But he's not being a ball buster like yeah. Freddy Krueger. He's not busting your chops. Right. He's trying to creep you out. Yeah. It's like, oof. But Freddy disappears, leaving Jesse to wonder where he went. Suddenly, his claw bursts out through Jesse's chest in a shower of blood. Because we have to have shit fly at the screen in 2010. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it was just, it was that error. Oh my god. This poor cellmate. <laughs> I didn't do it! I'm fucking innocent, man! I laughed so fucking hard at that. The worst part is they say he died in his sleep. Yeah. <laughs> his chest fucking exploded. <laughs> but he died in his sleep. <laughs> That's what causes of, of chest explosion. But yeah, it's like we see him in the waking world. His his cellmate is standing in the corner, clearly terrified, because Jesse is just standing asleep in the middle of the room. And then his chest explodes in a shower of blood. And like Susie said, he just jumps over the corpse and starts pounding on the door, going, Let me out, I'm innocent, I didn't do it. <laughs> oh my god, I was crying, I was laughing so hard. But back in the dream, we see Jesse hung up by his feet, gasping for air. Freddy runs his claws down and like saying, Oh, like yes, yeah. yes. He goes, did you, know that, uh, did you know that after the heart stops beating, the brain can still function for seven more minutes? We got six more minutes to play. <laughs> and, oh, <laughs> oh, so, yeah, and, is that creepy? Yeah, and is Jesse like, 
gurgles out a scream. I was like, fuck. That's disturbing. But yeah, that's the thing. Like, there's this, like, unbridled rage behind this Freddy. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, with the original Freddy, like, yeah, he was having fun fucking with people. Like, he, he definitely enjoyed the kill. But he was more like, like Maury said, he's busting your balls. Yeah. You know, he's like, he's going to make, he's basically, he's the bully that's going to give you a swirly before he beats the shit out of you. Yeah, this, this Freddy's vengeful. Yeah, this Freddy's going to like cut pieces of you off. He's the old school god. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's creepy. But. Back... Old Testament god, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of figured. Okay. Back at the bookstore with Quentin and Nancy, Nancy is having a hard time staying awake. Quentin offers her some, some of his Zonerall. Which he explains is basically speed for kids with ADD. And says he's been on it since he was 15. So, so like a year? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we don't have hypnosil in this one. We have Zonarol. Uh, Nancy refuses and Quentin takes some. While looking over the books, Nancy sees the Pied Piper of Hamlin. And Quentin explains that it's something he saw in one of his dreams. And he explains the story of the Pied Piper. How, you know, the town fucked over the Pied Piper. So he came back and stole their kids away. Um, so it's like, it's, I like, again, I like the addition of like drawing the parallels between mm-hmm. this because it mm-hmm. makes you question, wait a second, was he innocent? Like what happened yeah. here? Yeah. So again, I feel like they just, they didn't do enough with it. It was mm-hmm. right there. And it's like, ah, such a good idea. But Nancy explains that she's been dreaming about children as well and a school. Quentin tells her that it has to mean something, but they're running out of time. He goes on to explain the dangers of sleep depri- goes on to explain the dangers of sleep deprivation and basically how once you pass the 70 hour mark your brain attempts to shut down functions to recharge briefly resulting in micronaps where you won't know if you're awake or asleep and eventually it'll shut down altogether inducing a coma where you have no choice but to sleep. That's fucking scary. Yeah. But uh, that night, Nancy asks her mom if there's any connection between Chris, her, Dean, Jesse, and Quentin. Mom is a horrible fucking liar. She so is. Mm. She's like, maybe we went to school or something like that. And she's like, um. I don't think um, so. <laughs> she has no fucking poker face. Do, do we ever know anyone named Freddie? <clears throat> I don't recall. Yeah, and, and she <laughs> and shits a she, brick. Yeah, her eyes are darting back and forth. And then she's like. Goodbye, child of mine. I am not lying to you and goes downstairs. And she's clearly, mm-hmm. clearly we know who she's calling. She's like, it's Gwen. She's remembering. So Nancy's starting to remember. So yeah, I'm, well, I mean, we technically we don't know who she's calling yet. We're going to find out. I mean, we know who she's calling. True. I, I'll be honest. The first time I watched this, I was like, who is she calling? I thought like, was she calling a doctor? Was she calling like one of the other parents? Because we don't really see the relationship between them yet until the right, flashback. Right, until the flashback. Yeah. That's true. She was so, like, Clancy Brown. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, hello, Mr. Squidward. <laughs> <laughs> she wanted some of his Krabby Patties. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so now this part Ew. is... <laughs> I feel like on Urban Dictionary that would definitely have some kind of... Oh, and she's, she's looking it up. Yep, continue. So now, this is something that irked the shit out of me. But you guys tell me if this is if this makes sense. So we see Nancy getting in the tub, and the way she gets in the tub, so that the camera is from like the doorway, looking at the tub, which is is sideways when lined up at the door. She gets in with her back to the door, so she like she sits down from side to side instead of end to end, and then does this little spin shimmy. 
to yeah. like lay, so I'm like, is this how skinny people get in the tub? Because my fat ass can't do that. <laughs> and I don't know why it irritated me so bad, but it really did. I was like, are skinny folks just out here doing this and I just can't? <laughs> so, but anyway. Nancy sets an alarm on her phone and leans back in the tub and falls asleep. Of course, we get the we mimic the tub scene where Freddy's glove reaches up out of the water and starts to reach for her. But unlike every other reused scene in this movie, this one actually works because they do something different with it. Nancy's mom knocks on the door, causing the glove to sink back in the water as Nancy wakes up. Her mom tells her goodnight and tells her that she's going to bed. Uh-oh, you found Krabby Patties, didn't you? This is the only good one. When an individual who has a crab tattooed on their ass sticks their bare ass in someone else's face. Hey, look, what's his face passed out on the couch? I'm going to give him a Krabby Patty. What the fuck? Oh, Urban Dictionary. You don't disappoint. Nope. So, after her mom tells her goodnight, Nancy gets up out of the tub and gets dressed. She goes into her bedroom and sees snow everywhere. She turns around and suddenly In she's... Informa. That's what it's going Lick it boom boom down. Oh, whatever happened to Snow? He melted. <laughs> like Frosty? Yep. But he won't come back again someday. There's no magic left in that hat. He got licked boom boom down. <laughs> that sounds dirty. Oh, God. I'm going to leave that one alone. <laughs> so, she, like I said, she turns around and suddenly she's outside of an old preschool called Badham Preschool. Freddie pops up next to her, calling uh, calling her his number one and his special little Nancy. That's fucking creepy. Yeah. And he starts running his claws down her arm and grabs her hand while licking her face. That is so fucking nasty. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, no. I Even even during sexy times, don't, don't lick someone's face. Just don't. It's, it's weird. It's fucking weird. I don't like it. Do you know what licks my face? My cat. Exactly. Licks my nose. My dog licks my face. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. Don't do it. But she tells him, I set an alarm, and he smiles, saying, you did, in your dream. Hmm. So I was like, oh, that's fucked up. So she's been dreaming this whole time. And then, oh, God, he laughs, and this this one line is so creepy. He sniffs her and goes, you smell different. I'm like, oh, fuck. Because, girl, you'll be a woman soon. I was like, Jesus, that's disgusting. But suddenly Nancy's phone rings and wakes her up. She answers, and it's Quentin. He tells her, Freddy got Jesse. He died in his sleep. Nancy tells him that she just How does he Freddy. know this already? I know, right? <laughs> this is, again, these logic leaps. Carrier pigeons in the jail. <laughs> the, the, the cellmate sent a carrier pigeon yep. out the window. But Nancy tells him that she just saw Freddy, that she fell asleep and saw him. Quentin tells her he's coming over. And cut to the two of them in Nancy's room looking in, looking up info on the preschool. Um, because Nancy, you know, obviously tells them that it was bad in preschool. So they look it up. They There's find no it. pictures. There's no pictures. <coughs> but they do find info on it. <coughs> you all right? Hang on a sec. <laughs> Uh-oh. She's got the consumption. I'm choking on air. <coughs> all right, I'm okay. <laughs> Don't die. Um, there's no dying in podcasts. There's no dying in baseball. Um, but yeah, they, they do look up info on it because they find out that it was across town and it closed down years ago. Across so town, which we're going to find out exactly how long it takes to get there in a few minutes. <laughs> exactly. Um, but Nancy shows him that she drew a picture of it from her dream when she woke up. 
Neither one of them recognize it, though, and they're both confused on how this guy, uh, this guy in their dreams, is connected to a defunct preschool. Now, would you have been able to draw... Okay, so she fell asleep in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. She's all dried, brushed her hair and everything. Would you have been able to draw that detailed of no. a sketch? No. I, I've definitely drawn things from my dreams, but nowhere near that detail. <laughs> like, I've watched your time-lapse sketches, yeah. and they're good. But I can't... No. And I, you know I think you're a great artist, but I don't think you could draw something like that. Oh, hell no. And, and it was like, what, 20 minutes? It's like, no, I can't do that that fast. Um, but So Nancy tells him that she's sure her mother is hiding something from her. Cut to morning, we see Quentin and Nancy rifling through her mom's office looking for anything. Eventually, they find a photo hidden under one of the drawers in her cabinet. So the photo is in a manila envelope, mm-hmm. which is flush with the bottom of the drawer. Yeah. Yet when Nancy goes to close the drawer, there's something stuck. Mm-hmm. So you think, ooh, there's a secret compartment. Or wouldn't you expect, like, the envelope to be, like... Wedged in the wedged back. in the back, or maybe crumpled up now. Nope. Pristine condition. <laughs> and just laying underneath the little slidey part of the drawer. Yep. It doesn't make any damn sense. And then Mom comes in, and she's like, what are you doing? Well, first they, they look at the photo. Oh, yes. And we see it's a preschool photo from Badham with all the kids. Uh, you know, Nancy, Quentin, Dean, Chris, Jesse, they're all there. So we, they flip it over and we see all their names listed on the back. Um, then, yeah, Nancy's mom catches them. She's so calm. What are you doing? <laughs> Why are you in my office? What are you, what are you doing? You lied to me. No, what, I didn't. No, I didn't. Give me, give me the photo. You lied to me! I didn't lie. <laughs> <laughs> like, she just keeps, like, calmly talking. And you know what? That's the situation where the more calm the other person is, the more infuriated you, know, you get. And Nancy definitely did. Yes. <laughs> she got pissed. I hate you. I wish you weren't my real mom. <laughs> I'm going to go live with Quentin. But and Clancy Brown. <laughs> he cooks Krabby Patties. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lordy. Oh, but I'm picturing him with a tattoo of a crab on his ass. <laughs> it's like... Oh, God, what was the Highlander bag? Was it the, the Kurrigan or Kurrig? I can't remember. Oh, I don't remember. Oh, God. It's going to bug me now. But, yeah, he was the bad guy in Highlander. Um, but, anyway, Mom tries to tell her that she was trying to protect her, that she didn't want her to have to go through life with that memory, that she wanted Nancy to forget. Nancy asks her mom what the hell happened at that preschool. And now we get the info dump. We zoom in on the photo and go into a flashback. Of the kids, like, squirming around in the picture. <laughs> yeah. Nancy's mom explains that Fred Krueger was a gardener who worked at the school and lived in the basement. Okay. Who fucking lives in the basement of the school? <laughs> I mean, to be fair... Groundskeeper Willie lived in the... I was gonna say, I do think that that used to be a thing where, like, groundskeepers, especially, like, single groundskeepers, would live on campus. Yeah. Like... So they were... They were breeding grounds for pedo bears. Exactly. Mm. Um, so, yeah, pretty creepy. But uh, she tells them how his whole world revolved around the kids. And we see them playing hide-and-seek and laughing with the kids. Like, again, he seems innocent at this point. Um, just kind of playing with the children. Um, she says, then we started to notice things. And we see a montage of kids with scratches on their back. They're not acting right. Parents looking concerned. Like... This is when we see Chris 
Chris's mom turned her around and she her dress is just shred. Which again in the dream and it, it was on the front. Yes. But in the in the in the flashback is on her back. It's like you guys aren't following your own continuity. Crisscross. Make a jump jump. <laughs> well it was the nineties at this because remember it was nineteen ninety six. Oh Lordy. So anywho um, we, she goes on to say how Nancy was his favorite and we see Freddie talking to young Nancy while she draws, telling her he has some drawings and they're really bad drawings that need to be fixed and maybe she can help him. So she excitedly agrees. We then see her trying to explain to her mom about a secret cave that he takes the kids to, but then she starts crying. This scene is hard to fucking watch. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's rough. Um, back in the present, Quentin asks if they called the cops on him, and, and Mom explains that Freddie skipped town before they could ever confront him. More lies. And they He's, never heard from him again. He skipped town before anyone could find him. <laughs> call the police. I know, you'd still call the fucking police. Like, come like, on. Like, put out an APB for this dude. Well, no, come not on. when you... Well, we don't know that. Right, but she's trying to make it sound like, oh, we didn't call the cops because he ran away, and we just thought it was better to leave him alone. <laughs> Like no, let those let those families sort it out exactly. in the next town. <laughs> Fucking bitch. <laughs> but she tells Nancy that these dreams are simply repressed memories from a horrible time in her life and nothing more. Nancy tells her, "I hope you're right." Now, like I said, I gotta say I saw this movie before being a dad. That scene bothered me. After watching it, after becoming a dad, I can't watch this scene without tearing up. Like I was getting choked up and angry. I'm like, ugh. I mean, I know Omay and LeMay will both know what I'm talking about here with movies that you could watch before parent, being a parent. They they hit differently. Now, like I told you before, I can't watch fucking Hills Have Eyes without crying like yeah. a little bitch with a skinned knee. It's rough. But anyway. My water bottle is kind of like an old-timey lantern. It kind of is. <sighs> kind of looks like the lantern they use at the end of the movie. It It does. <laughs> that was a weird tangent. But Nancy and Quentin leave the house and get into her car. And uh, Nancy tells Quentin that they have to they have to find the rest of the kids in the photo. He tells her that that's crazy, basically siding with her mom, saying that they're repressed memories that are manifesting as nightmares. Nancy tells him that there has to be more to it because memories can't kill you. Before they can drive away and continue their Scooby Gang adventure, Quentin's dad pulls up behind them, blocking the driveway, and telling Quentin to come with him. That they have to go. They have to go cook some crammy patties. <laughs> He's lucky that Nancy didn't back into him. I know, right? Because he's like, no, 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 wait. Come on, Quentin. Get in the car. She's like, Quentin, he's like, go to go. That's my dad. <laughs> so, you know, she tells him that they, they have to get to the bottom of this, and he tells her to stop, saying she sounds crazy, and then leaves with his dad. Cut to Nancy in the library, looking up other or looking up the other kids from the photo. One by one, she finds articles about them being dead. What, what was she looking on? It was like... It was like um, oh, Grab, something because then Giga Blast or something. Giga Blast like, because yeah. then the go button said blast off. That's what it was. Yeah, because we can't use Google, so it's going to yes. be Giga Blast. <laughs> and this was before Bing, so yep. Because they allow Bing in movies, just like Apple allows iPhones in movies, mm-hmm. but you know without paying the the extra. So the one girl died in a horrible car accident. Yep. The other one died in their sleep. Died in their sleep, mm-hmm. and then she found the vlog. Yes, which is creepy. And it's I it's you see like the progression yeah. quickly in those videos. Well, cuz he's talking <coughs> about how 
he like first he talks about like I had the dream again. You know, he's a burned burned man with the red and green striped sweater, and he's like he's chasing me. This time it was in a school. He's like I almost got to the basement. He goes, but I feel like that's where he wants me to go. And he's like talking about like each video. He's talking more and more about the nightmare. And then finally he's like, is anyone else out there? Can anyone help me with? It? And he's like panicked, mm-hmm. saying how it's been days since he slept. That every time he falls asleep, you know, it gets more and more dangerous. And he's afraid that if he falls asleep again, he's gonna die. And he leans back in his chair and he's kind of like panting. And then his eyes close and he gets thrown against the camera and stabbed. So I, I have a question about that, but we'll circle back in a, in a minute. Because while this is happening, while she's looking up this, uh, Quentin is at swim practice struggling to stay awake. Uh, <laughs> while swimming, he, you know, he looks like he's got, he gets a stitch in his side. Like he kind of grabs his side mm-hmm. and starts to sink underwater. When he gets pulled underwater... He, sur- he, you know, eventually surfaces and he's outside of an old factory. In he- poo water. <laughs> it was poo water. From last week. Oh, it's the poo water. That's old poo water, too. <laughs> well, by the time this comes out, that episode will be coming out two weeks from now. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're recording these out of order, guys. Um, but yeah, so, he, you know, he looks around and sees human Freddy. So, like, before he was all burned, running down, like, between the factories that are all around him. And being chased by several cars. He watches as Freddy is cornered in a small a small boiler room by the, all the parents of the kids, including his own dad. They're ready to kill him. Freddy locks himself in and pleads with the crowd, saying, Whatever you think I've done, I didn't do it, I'm innocent. So, and again, the way you said, you said at the beginning of the, of the episode, the way he delivers this performance, you actually have to question, like, oh shit, did he actually do it? Like, are they yeah. wrong? Mm-hmm. You know, again. Because as this scene goes on, this flashback, mm-hmm. um... Mom asks Clancy Brown, well, did you find the cave? Yeah. And he's like, no, doesn't matter. Yep. So, yeah, they're, like, she keeps suggesting call the cops, like, mm-hmm. you know, let's, and he's like, this ends tonight. And he was going to die tonight. <laughs> Fuck, he was going to die tonight. <laughs> he had the blackest eyes. Oh, God, I hate that movie so much. <laughs> but. I had to do it. <laughs> So Quentin's dad gets a gas can out, stuffs a rag in it, and lights it. Because everyone's got that in their trunk. Oh, yeah, just a gas can rolling around. Yeah. So he throws it through the window, yelling, this is for my son. Inside, Freddy starts to freak out as the fire quickly spreads all around him. Now, I like this scene, but I could have absolutely done without this one moment. Because as the fire gets on him, he's like stomping it out, freaking out. And he decides to rip off his jacket. Take off his jacket to expose the sweater. Like fucking Clark Kent becoming Superman. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, ah, it was dumb. It's like, all right. But the parents yell for him to get out of there, and suddenly there's an explosion from inside. The fire engulfs the building, and Freddy runs out in a ball of flame straight at Quentin, who's still watching. Smash cut to Quentin being revived outside the Oh my god. And the swim coach is just like... You okay? <laughs> you all right? <laughs> and then he's like... Spits <laughs> out all the water. And then, yeah, we cut back to Nancy in the library. And this is where we, we see the whole, like, upload thing. But Quentin comes to Nancy in the library. She tells him that all the other kids are dead. And he tells her, I know what happened. Do you, though? You had a dream. Like, do you know what happened? <laughs> Smash cut to the two of them storming into Quentin's dad's office. And Quentin accusing his dad, saying, you killed Kruger. He's like, shut your mouth. <laughs> he shuts the door. He tries to talk to his son, and Quentin accuses his father of killing an innocent man. 
saying we were just kids. Kids say anything. He goes, did you ever find any proof? Did you ever find the cave we talked about? And he's like, no. And he goes, you killed an innocent person. He's like freaking out. He goes, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about that night. And he goes, good, that's the least you deserve. And I was like, ooh, that's brutal. But see, I, I like this. It struck a nerve with me because this is something that I feel like modern society we live with constantly of the i don't have information other than this little tiny piece of this little nugget and i'm gonna run with it and pretend i know the entire story and no one can convince me otherwise and we see that a lot nowadays and it's like ooh, that's that's a slippery fucking slope yep so but again i think that concept if done right can lead to a really cool horror story Mm mm-hmm so, like, the idea of, like, mob justice because of people getting whipped up into a frenzy without all the facts. Like, I, I really do feel like that they could have played more with that. But this is where, or, uh, yeah, so Quentin and, and, like I said, Quentin and uh, Nancy storm out of his office looking all pissed off. So this is where Act 2 ends. What are you guys thinking? Oh, the tension is building. Indeed. It really is picking up, though. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I like Act 2 a lot. Yeah, it's really, it's moving at a good clip now. You're learning more. You're still questioning something. This is... I like, like I said, I like the wrinkle of is he innocent or not. <clears throat> because I feel like that adds a whole a whole other layer to the Freddy Krueger mythos that we would have never had. Mm-hmm. You know? But anywho, Act 3... Uh, Nancy follows Quentin through the halls of the school and we get what is my least favorite of the reuse scenes from the original. Because <laughs> we get the body bag scene. This time, Chris is in the body bag and gets dragged by an invisible force. But after being dragged away, she's now standing in the place she was just dragged from in the body bag laughing like Freddy. <laughs> why? Like <laughs> She's awake. But, but why is that scene even there? Because in the original, it makes sense. Nancy sees Tina getting carried away in a closed body bag. Like, this is one of the few movies where they don't just carry him away in a sheet. Right. We see the body bags getting brought out of the house. So Nancy has an association of her friend being in the body bag. So when she's falling asleep in class and she looks over and you see Tina standing there going, Nancy, like pawing at the bag. And then she like blinks and there's just a trail of blood. Yeah. She goes out and we see Nancy laying in, or we see Tina laying in the hallway and then the invisible force picks her legs up and slowly drags her down the hall around the corner. That scene is so fucking scary that like literally it is in my top 25 scariest things in a movie of all time. Like it still to this day gives me the willies anytime I watch it. More so than that snippet in Exorcist 3 of the nurse. You're going to have to refresh my memory. I'll it's been post, a while since I watched Exorcist. I'll right. post it on your Facebook. I'm saying I'm sure I, once I see it, I'll know what you're talking about. But I haven't watched Exorcist three probably in about 15, 16 years. It's oh. been a long time. Um, I do want to watch it again though. That's, that's one of the ones I like. So um, watch two. I would say yeah, the Heretic and Part Four are not that good. Um, there is a cool scene with the hyenas in Part Four though. But anyway. Um, no, I love that scene in the original movie. I think it, it's, it's fucking terrifying and unnerving. And this one just feels like they were like, what do we do now? Uh, use something from the original. <laughs> and it's like, but I, it wouldn't have bothered me so bad if she just got dragged around the corner. But the fact that she disappears and reappears, like, just standing there, it's like, what, what, why? Like, uh, I don't know. And she's not even sleeping. Well, she's doing the micro naps. Oh. Even though she's walking? Well, yeah, she, remember, she stops and stands there for a second. Because Quentin says to her, he's like, 
you know, he asks her what's going on, and she's like, I just saw Chris in a body bag. And he goes, you've been up too long. You're micro-napping. And it's like, yeah. Again, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. <laughs> but they try to explain it. So he tells her that they're running out of time and they need to find the preschool, and the two of them take off. Cut to the duo arriving at a pharmacy so Quentin can get more pills. Oh, my God. <laughs> the exchange between him and the pharmacist is so funny. It's addict in training. Just yep. going to just gonna need this refilled here. Uh, sorry, you don't have any refills on this. I'm going to have to call the doctor. No, that, no, no. I've been on them since I was, like, 15, so you're just going to go back there and refill them. It goes, quick. It's easy. Just, no. Just, just He's like, no. no. He's like, no, sir. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> no. <laughs> he was so calm. <laughs> But, like, so while, while he's in there arguing at the pharmacist, Nancy is in the truck. She, uh, she dozes off for a minute. Freddie rips the door open and attacks her, forcing her to wake up. You know, she then takes the uh, cigarette lighter, which, do they even have those in cars anymore? No. Not anymore. I think they just have, it's the power outlet, right? Yeah. 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 And I say, so that wouldn't work in today. <laughs> no, right. But she took the cigarette lighter and, and pulls a uh, Jennifer from part three and just burns her arm, mm-hmm. um, hoping to stay awake. So she ends up like getting herself out of the car and like drags herself into the store. And I, this this scene, yeah, between the two worlds, I think that's really cool. Yeah, I, I really like it. But in my head, all I could hear was "Get out of my dream, get into my car." <laughs> so, like I kept laughing because I kept thinking about that. Oh my get god! Out of my life. <laughs> Oh, my Lord. Oh, what a feeling when you're <laughs> dancing on the ceiling. When nope. you're murdered on the ceiling. Yeah, I was going to say, Tina got murdered on the Oh, Chris. what a feeling when you're murdered on the ceiling. Didn't we talk about Lionel Richie recently in an episode? We did in another Nightmare episode. There's a lot of ceiling walks in Nightmare. Um, but yeah, so she goes into the store and yeah, the, the reality is flickering back and forth. So she sees Freddy kind of standing in the doorway in like this quick ghostly image. We kind of see like a long hallway and then she sees the pharmacy and then she looks back and he's standing in a boiler room hallway walking toward her and then flickers back to reality. And the whole time, like she's just backing away from him. Eventually he gets like right up on her and slashes her as she grabs a piece of his sweater and rips it off. So then he goes, it's like, wake up, you're bleeding. (laughs) Like that part made me laugh again. So she wakes up screaming. Quentin comes to find her and sees that her arm is slashed. She shows him the sweater, confused on how she has it, and says, I think Freddy is here with us. I really like this part. Yeah. Because unlike every other fucking nightmare movie, when someone pulls something out of the dream, immediately they're like, I pulled this out of my dream. Like, okay, no. No one would come to that logical conclusion of you pulled it out of your dream. The fact that she's like, holy shit, he's here, makes so much more sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Uh, but he gets her up and tells her, like, we got to go to the hospital. Like, you're bleeding bad. And the pharmacist doesn't think anything's going on. He's just like, well, I don't have to fill that boy's drug prescription. <laughs> Smash cut to the hospital. Nancy is being treated while Quentin steals some drugs. <laughs> Chekhov's drugs. Nancy's mom shows up and asks who did this to her. Nancy tells her uh, to look at the cut. She goes, you know who did this. Like, she's still pissed at her mom. Like, fuck you, mom. (laughs) You're not my real mom. (laughs) Um, 
But the doctor comes in and tells Nancy she's going to give her a little something for the pain and it'll put her right out. No! <laughs> of course Nancy freaks the fuck out. I don't, I don't want to go to sleep, Mom. I don't, want, don't let him put me to sleep, Mom. And then the doctor's like, you know, this will only pinch for a minute. And she pulls, a, like, pulls the syringe up, but she's got Freddy's glove. And she smashes the syringe out of her head. She's like, okay, okay, calm down. And then the doctor gets fucking pissed and she like strong arms the mom into signing the consent form. Come out into the hallway with me. But yeah, she tells the mom like, we have to sedate her, but we can't sedate her without your permission. Mom reluctantly signs the form, allowing them to sedate her. When they go back into the room, Nancy is gone. So where'd she go? (laughs) Out the window. We smash cut to Nancy and Quentin in Quentin's car. (laughs) They pull over and Quentin shows her that he stole some adrenaline from the hospital. From the nurse's cart. I'm pretty sure that shit's locked up. I'm pretty sure yeah. too. <clears throat> but he offers some to Nancy and she refuses saying, you can't take that stuff. You have no idea what it'll do. And he goes, oh, that's the least of my worries right now. It just jams a syringe into his thigh. And then he's like, Whew. He's like, wow. <laughs> but it seems to do the trick and they take off. On the drive, the two make some small talk, trying to stay awake, and suddenly Quentin sees Freddy standing in the middle of the road. Also, did we mention how they left school, and now it's completely dark? Yes. How big is this fucking town? Keep in mind, it was dark when they arrived at the pharmacy. Yeah. So, so <laughs> how, how big is this fucking town? This is, uh, let's see, we've seen this in May, we've seen this in Prom Night... Uh, My Bloody Valentine, Mm -hmm. uh, several other films where it's like, it's daytime. No, it's nighttime. Now it's daytime again. Like, what happened? Very confusing timeline. But, so when he sees Freddy in the middle of the road, he swerves and ends up crashing the car. So now they have to make the rest of the trek on foot. Eventually, they find the old preschool and head inside. They look around and find Freddy's room in the basement. Eventually, they find the secret cave the kids were talking about. Oh, look, there's something behind here. Yeah, it's a it's a room like a almost like a little a like, crawl space. Yeah, but it's a whole room, so, <clears throat> so it's almost like they put up a false wall, and then there's like a crawl space entrance behind like a bulletin board. Yeah, you know, so they rip down the bulletin board. They find the little like hatch. They crawl in, and there's like a whole ass room in there with a bed and everything. <sighs> it's like, oh, you know what happened in there. But, uh, so, yeah, Nancy immediately remembers having been there before, and we get a flashback of her and Freddie painting pictures on the walls. Okay, I'm sorry. I giggled at this because mm. I thought of in Zoolander when they were at the gas station. Because <laughs> they're, like, throwing paint at the walls and, like, laughing. And giggling. And what was up with... I'm sorry. The little drawing that Nancy has in her room, in her sketchbook, in her fucking locker, it's hanging in the in Freddy's cave. It looks like a little penis man. It does. It's a, it's a little dick and balls man. <laughs> like, look, what, it, what is that? Come Maybe on. that's what it is. I was going to say, is, it, is this like an anthropomorphized penis that she's drawn? Like, come on. It don't make no damn sense. Oh, well, it makes then, sense, but it's creepy. But then Quentin finds the box. Yeah. He, uh, he finds a box of Polaroids. And, um, you know, he's, he's looking at him. Nancy turns around and asks, what are you, you know, what are you looking at? And he goes, you don't want to see this. And she takes the photos from him and looks and sees that they're all her. And, uh, he goes, we were wrong. He's not after us because we lied. He's after us because we told the truth. I was like, Ooh, fuck. <laughs> like, that's um, creepy. Mm-hmm. So Nancy realizes that he brought them there so they would remember what he did to them. So... Basically, he's he wants to torture him with the, the mm-hmm. bad memories. So she looks down at the piece of sweater that she stole from the dream, 
and comes up with a plan. Cut to the two of them sitting on a bed, and we find out what her plan is. She, she wants to go to sleep and try to grab Kruger to pull him out of the dream. No, you can't do that. Yep. Yes, I can. You're going to wake me up. Okay. Well, I do. There's one thing I like here because, again, in all the previous movies where this is the plan, pull Freddy out of the dream, everyone just, no one tries to stop the person going in. They're just like, yeah, all right, you do that. I'll wait here. Like, yeah. In this one, he's like, no, you can't because let me go. And she's like, maybe I'm the only one that can do it because she holds up the piece of sweater being like, what if I'm the only one? So it's like, okay, I like that. I like that they, they actually addressed that, that there's the fear factor of, oh, shit, you're going to die if I let you do this, mm-hmm. you know. But then they, they share a tender smooch. Oh, it's yeah. like, I'm going to take you out on a real date. Or does he say that in the, tr- in the car? Oh, he said that in the car, yeah. And she's like, what makes you think I'll go? <laughs> and that's when Freddy appeared and they crashed and yep. hilarity ensued. <laughs> womp, womp, Freddy the cock blocker. But... Yeah, Quentin, uh, so basically Quentin agrees that, you know, they have no choice. That... <laughs> She's like, stay awake. And he's like, okay. <laughs> she doesn't... falls asleep and then he's like. <sighs> <laughs> well, now before that, he, he does look around. She's trying to fall asleep. He looks around for a weapon and he finds an old paper cutter. That is like the largest fucking paper cutter I've one. ever seen. That big? I have one. Yep. Wow. They're that big. I have, it's from, it, it's an old high school paper cutter. And, I mean, this thing is fucking massive. And it has, it's got, like, a machete arm on it. Because like that looks, I... It's got the big metal handle, just like that, the big wrought iron handle. And, like, the blade bolted into the wood. It's wow. it's it's massive. It's out in my garage. Well, I'll be damned. Um, I actually got that because uh, my, my buddy Mike, when he worked at the hospital, they were cleaning out a bunch of old offices. And he said this was stored in there. He's like, I'm going to throw it out. Do you want it? I'm like, hell yeah, I do. So I have an old school paper cutter in my garage. Hmm. But uh, so yeah, so he gets the he gets the blade. It's like this is gonna be my weapon, and it doesn't rip off cleanly. Like it rips off of like the actual cleave. <laughs> yep. And, but I love it because yeah, like you said, Nancy falls asleep, and then Quentin's like, Bleh. yeah, <laughs> he passes right out, um, and ends up in a boiler room. Freddie pops up and kicks the shit out of him, screaming, "You can't save her!" He then slashes Quentin across the chest, dropping him. Nancy calls out for Freddy, and he smirks, saying, Your girlfriend's here. I'll be right back. And leaves Quentin to bleed on the floor. <laughs> Freddy pops up behind Nancy, saying, Now that you've caught me, what game do you want to play? This is where she, she Oh, goes, yeah, she's like, Fuck you. And he goes, Ooh, sounds fun. That's a little fast for me. <laughs> he then shows her all of her dead friends, and she tells him this isn't real. He gets mad and says that it is, and then he yells, I'm real. Like, he's, he got really mad when she's yeah. like, You're not real. Um, she breaks free and runs only to wind up in her own house, uh, her own house at night. She hears Freddie coming down the, st- <laughs> well, she hears Freddie coming down the stairs and she hides in a nearby closet. This she- part's scary. Yeah, this part did so scare me. But really, you guys got the jump scare? I got the jump scare. No, I, I no, I didn't jump scare, but putting yourself in that situation, that part's scary. No, yeah. I got the jump scare. But it's funny because like when I first saw this, cause as soon as she hid in the closet, and she's watching out the check in the closet. But she's looking at the little like holes in the in the in the slotted door. Mm-hmm. Um she's watching Freddie, and I'm like, he's gonna appear in that closet. Like I know it. I know what's gonna happen. So I was in a packed theater when I saw this. I was almost in the front row because it was just a sold-out show. I turned and looked at the audience. I wasn't even looking at the screen. And as soon as he says boo, it was just like a wave of people jumping. 
And I'm like, how did you guys not see this coming? No, it, I, I, I jumped. I did. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of times where I, I know a jump scare is coming and I still get jump scared. But, so but this n- next part really is disgusting. Oh, yeah. So she, she runs from Freddy. She goes upstairs and the hallway turns into Sinky Sludge. And she starts sinking into it. And Freddy walks up behind her, mocking her, saying, How's this for a wet dream? So we get the reused line from part four. Which doesn't really work because wet dreams are males. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But Nancy sinks into the goop. Wait. Girls can have them, too. Don't some girls squirt? Yeah, I guess. I just have never heard of girls having skeet skeets in their dreams. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, you might have a sexy time dream, but... But, uh, so she, she sinks into the goop and we cut to the bedroom where we see the ceiling explodes with blood. I actually do like this effect. The, the ceiling like kind of bubbles and then blood explodes out and she falls out in the little girl dress. Totally mm-hmm. clean. Mm-hmm. It's like, ugh. So she lands in the bed dressed as a little girl. Freddie traps her on the bed and is taunting her, telling her that this dress was always one of his favorites. Mm. Like, ah, oh, fucking mm. gross. He comments <coughs> on how now that she remembers everything says your memories fuel me she pleads with him and he creepily says your mouth says no but your body says yes oh as he's like taking his claw and like starting <sighs> oh. to run it oh from her thigh yes up, like oh my god because when he says your body says yes that's where the shot goes yeah it's like jesus but she tries to look away but he forces her to look at him telling her to look at look what at she me. did yeah he's like look what you did to me and uh, he then tells her it's time to play and throws her across the room. She grabs a pair of scissors and stabs him in the eye with it. He laughs and, telling, and tells her, naughty girl, you can't hurt me here. You're in my world now and you can never leave. He slams her back on the bed, trapping her again. Quentin, wake me up. Yeah. In the waking world, Nancy screams <coughs> while pinned to the bed and Quentin's just lying in the corner bleeding. <laughs> He's like, oh, fuck. In the dream, Freddy taunts her, telling her that he had to keep her awake for so long that when she finally slept, she'd never wake up again, basically forcing her into a sleep-deprived coma. In the waking world, Quentin tries desperately to wake her up, screaming and shaking her, but nothing's happening. In the dream, Freddy taunts her, saying, do you really think your boyfriend can wake you up? And then he goes, I'm your boyfriend now, so we get the repeat of the line from the Mm -hmm. original. Um, Quentin loads up the syringe syringe with adrenaline and stabs her in the chest. As he's coming down with the Yep, right as as Freddy's about to stab her with the claw, (coughs) she grabs his arm and the two disappear into the bed and come come out in the real world. So Nancy throws Freddy off of her and pulls the syringe out of her chest. Very Pulp Fiction. Yeah. She looked down like, fuck! Just yanks it out. Quentin attacks Freddy, but pretty much gets his ass handed to him for the second time. Mm -hmm. I mean, he gets an A for effort. He was trying to defend his lady. But he gets, he already got stabbed in the chest and the shit kicked out. Like, as he's bleeding from the nose where Freddy broke his nose. And then Freddy stabs his, stabs his shoulder. So, like, Quentin's all fucked up. But Quentin finally grabs a shard of glass and stabs Freddy in the leg. Freddy gets pissed at Quentin saying, why won't you just die? And pulls a gloved hand back before he can strike. Nancy lops his hand off at the wrist with the paper cutter blade. Oh, that's one sharp-ass paper cutter. I know, and it's been down there forever and not even... Cut right through bone and everything. Yeah. <laughs> but Freddy... Adrenaline. <laughs> it's, ah, it's the, there you go, she's got the adrenaline um. powers. <clears throat> Freddie looks shocked and Nancy tells him, Hurts, doesn't it? That's because you're in my world now, bitch. <laughs> and slashes the bra- blade across <clears throat> his throat, killing him. 
Freddy falls down dead, and she sets the room on fire with his body in it. Come on, baby, light my fire. (laughs) Quentin and Nancy leave the burning school and make their way to safety. Cut to the emergency services crew on the scene. Quentin and Nancy are taken away in an ambulance while firefighters put out the blaze. Later that night, we see Nancy and her mom arriving back home from the hospital. Mom tells her straight up to bed. Nancy tells her mom that she knows she was just trying to protect her, and she's sorry for being so difficult. Suddenly in the mirror behind Mom, we see Freddy. He stabs Mom through the back of the head and out through her eyes. Nancy screams and is covered with blood as Freddy yanks Mom into the mirror and disappears. The end. Black screen credits the end. Mm. Now, have you guys ever seen the alternate ending? No. I can't decide what I like better, but I think I like the alternate ending better. So, going back into the dream when he's taunting Nancy, saying the whole, look at me. Mm Mm-hmm. He, you know, he goes, I can make it the way it was. And he, like, pulls his, his hand in front of his face and he turns back into Jack Errol Haley. Like, so, Freddy before the burns. And he's like, the way you liked it. And he's, like, taunting her. It's just really fucking creepy. And when she pulls him into the real world, he laughs and he goes, oh, what do you think, you can hurt me now because we're in the real world? And he's, like, he's still fucking with both of them. And, like, he's beating the shit out of, the, uh, out of Quentin and she starts fighting back. Like, she bashes his claw, like, breaking the claw. And she's beating him, saying, like, you know... I forget what, how, what, how she worded it. But basically, this is for everything you've ever done to me. And she's like, she beats the holy shit out of him. Then lights his ass on fire. And it's brutal. I'm like, that feels like a more appropriate ending to a kitty toucher than just lopping <clears throat> your hand off and cutting your throat. Like, I, I really like the alternate ending. That's some I spit on your grave shit right there. Yeah. It's, it's, and again, it's so drastically different from what we saw in the other movies mm-hmm. that I'm like, I like that. That's what I want out of a remake. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is probably one of those things where it did bad with test audiences because it wasn't in the makeup. I feel like a lot of people, there's no Freddy, there's Jackie O'Haley. That's Rorschach. <laughs> did, does mom still get pulled into the mirror? Yes. Okay. So, that, unfortunately, that still does happen. Okay. But. Because that did not hold up well. No, that that was really bad. But, I mean, overall, final thoughts, I genuinely like this movie in spite of its many, many, many glaring flaws. Agreed. Um, I would have loved to see what they had planned for the sequels because after reading about it, it's like, I feel like once they got the origin story out of the way, they really could have gone in some crazy directions with this movie mm-hmm. or with this new franchise. It's kind of like, you know, it's, it's, dir- it's divisive, but Halloween, Rob Zombie's Halloween. Kind of does its own thing a little bit, but still follows the beats of Halloween. Halloween 2 is its com- it's a completely different animal from everything else Halloween, and I fucking love it for it. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to see more of that version of Halloween. I feel like once they got this out of the way, they could have gone in that kind of a direction with, with Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. And I think I would have really liked it. But tis what it is, and we, ne- we never got no more. Um, not a whole hell of a lot of trivia here. But I thought this was kind of cool. Freddie's sweater was knitted by Judy Graham, which is the same woman who, who knitted the original sweater in 1984. Hmm. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Kyle Gallner <laughs> suffered a cut to his abdomen when the, when the glove that Jackie Earl Haley was wearing failed to bend back down like it was supposed to, leaving one of the knives extended. So he actually got cut. <laughs> um, and apparently he acted through the scene because no one realized that he wasn't acting until <laughs> <Huh. laughs> the end. Um, now, I call bullshit alert on this. This, this definitely could be... Sliced alone? No, no, no. I, 
that holy shit. There were if you look who was supposed to play Chris, like it is that type of a joke because they had everyone from Kim Cattrall to like freaking um, what's her name to play Sydney Prescott, um, Nev Campbell, Nev Campbell, all these people who were like ten and twenty years older than the character. I'm like. No one Maybe was if thinking it was in that. the 90s. Right. Not even, no, not even Kim Cattrall, because she's like 85 now. I was going to say. 90s. This came out in 2010. Yeah. But no, I'm like, saying if it was in the 90s, oh, right. Nev Campbell probably could have played Chris. It, does, it doesn't make sense. But this is the scene I call bullshit on. For his big scene in the opening sequence, Kellen Lutz decided to not sleep for days to get himself into character. No. Bullshit. How would he remember his fucking lines? Yeah. Like, I, fucking IMDb. (laughs) I call bullshit. It doesn't say he acted after it. He, maybe, after he got the role, he might have done that. I mean, I guess for research, but. Yeah. I I think that's true. I think. uh, I think anyone who, anyone who has had to stay awake for days isn't going to do it voluntarily. It's rough. If you really want that role. Actors are a different breed, though. That is true. They do that shit. Well, some of the crazier ones. Well, those are always the best best actors, too. Except for What's-His-Nuts from Morbius. Um, what, Jared Leto? Oh, I can't stand him. I hate Jared Leto. <laughs> and he's one of those method actors that has to get into the method. Like, when he was playing Joker and he was, like, sending dead rats to his castmates and shit like that. Mm. He's a fucking weirdo. Um, apparently, Heather Langenkamp was offered uh, offered a role... In uh, in this, but declined because they were just like, you could play the opening waitress. And she was like, no, I'm out. <laughs> or how about she's a shitty actress? Heather Langenkamp's not a good actress. No, she, <laughs> I she mean, isn't. I love her as Nancy. Like, she shouldn't be, like, turning down too many things, let's be honest. Oh, well, I mean, she got plenty of money. Her, her, does she, though? Oh, yeah, she does. No, her husband's a really big effects artist, so. Well, so she doesn't have money. Well, she's married to him. Uh. <laughs> She's not rich because of her acting. That's no, no, she's not. She does do a lot of... She she does, like, a ton of, of in-makeup roles that, like, for, like, Star Trek and random... Yeah, she's, like, she, back... Not speaking roles. Yeah, she's background character number seven. Yeah. <laughs> um, Chris, in, in, uh, in the scene before she gets killed, she's wearing a jersey with the number 10 on it, which is the same jersey that Johnny Depp was wearing in the original. So I was like, okay, that's little, little nods like that. I like. See, that's better than just trying to redo the whole right. face coming. Like, nods. Do little nods. Right. <laughs> this is another bullshit alert. Billy Bob Thornton and Steve Buscemi were considered to play Freddy Krueger. Can you picture Steve Buscemi as Freddy? Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I just was like, hey, guy, I'm in your nightmares. <laughs> like, just... <laughs> Maybe like Gilbert Godfrey. I'm in your nightmares. I'm Freddy Krueger. <laughs> I'm here to give you bad dreams. I'm a kitty toucher. Ah. I like that dress. <laughs> you smell different. <laughs> you are always my favorite. Oh my god, it would be like it would he would be dressed as Iago, dressed as Freddy Krueger. <laughs> oh with the Affleck ducks following him around. <laughs> Fucking Gilbert Godfrey, I miss him. Oh, he was good. He's I can't stand him. Oh, I love Gilbert Godfrey. Oh, oh he's God. annoying. Oh, I loved him. <laughs> Do you remember the Clark's cartoon? Did you ever see? He's annoying. <laughs> he does the voice of Patrick Swayze. <laughs> and he just talks like himself. <laughs> oh, I love it. But anyway, <laughs> so let's wrap this one up. 
Um, our social media for anyone not following us are we're the Boogeyman's Closet on both Facebook and Instagram. Maurice handles our Twitter, and what is that good, sir? At Boogeyman's Love. Thank you very much. Uh, we do have a Patreon. It's $3 a month for all of our unedited episodes. Higher tiers will get you stuff in the mail, pick birthday episodes, etc., etc. Um, we are also pa- part of the Rad Pantheon Network, so check out radpantheon.com and Rad Pantheon on all the socials for other podcasts like this one, as well as rad artists and musicians doing rad stuff. Um, we already recorded this, but our next episode, of when this will come out, will be episode 178 of Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. So, Welcome to primetime, bitch! <laughs> I will say this here, as this is our anniversary episode, uh, just to kind of get it out of the way. Going forward, there are going to be some rather large changes to this podcast. Um, we've always done this type of format, where we go through the movie beat by beat. I shouldn't say we've always done it. We've done it since probably like our fifth or sixth month. We, we kind of started going in this direction. Um, and we've gotten a lot of good feedback. A lot of people like this format. Unfortunately, time constraints being what they are with both uh, the other podcasts that I do, with working as much as we all do, just life in general. Uh, when, when we started this podcast, I had a lot more free time than I do now. And preparing and editing is taking much longer, so it's getting harder and harder to keep a schedule going. So we're going to try some new stuff. We are still going to do occasional episodes like this where we do the original format, go through beat by beat, um, anything that's franchise. So if we've already done like episodes like for Friday the 13th, we will finish out Friday the 13th series in this format. Nightmare on Elm Street, same thing. We'll finish out Nightmare on Elm Street in this format. Um, but newer stuff, we're going to kind of go more to a conversational podcast. The episodes will probably be a little bit shorter. Um, we still will mention a lot of stuff that happens in the movie, but it's not going to be beat by beat through the entire movie the way we do it now. Like I said, that doesn't mean that those are gone for good. Those will definitely come back if we feel that it needs to be, or if it's part of a series that we've just started covering. Um, But, like, next month we will be doing movies from the early 2000s. So from 2000 to 2005, horror movies in that era. And we're going to just kind of talk about them. So it's going to be more conversational than the beat by beat. Hopefully you guys stick around for it. Um, It's it's one of those things I feel like it's time for a change. Otherwise, we, we were kind of in danger of shutting the show down because we were having too many scheduling difficulties, especially on my end. And we just, we kind of needed to figure out something new. So we're four years in, it's time to innovate, you know, change the show up and try something new. So hopefully you guys dig it. I'm sure we're going to continue to have a lot of laughs and a lot of fun. So let's hope you stick around. We smell different now. We do. We smell a little different. (laughs) But with that long-winded ramble out of the way, it is time to wrap this up for another year. This is, uh, as always, this is Mike saying goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, follow us on Instagram at the Boogeyman's Closet, where you can stay up to date with everything we have planned.
after the heart stops beating, the brain keeps functioning for well over seven minutes. <laughs> we got six more minutes to play. Uh.